in here this morning. I do hope you had a wonderful Thanksgiving. You know, holidays are interesting. Uh, for some, holidays are the best time of the year. Uh, for others, holidays are some of the most difficult times of the year because uh, holidays bring us face to face with aspects of reality. Now, I want to talk about aspects of reality today and for the foreseeable future, but we're going to do it with a little bit of a twist. Um, not, not like the Beatles twist and shout, but, but just a twist. If you're looking at the calendars, we are staring at December right around the corner. We're in 2021. Next year will be 2022. Now, different people get stuck on different dates. One of our daughters, Rachel, said to me the other day, she said, Dad, I keep writing 2012 for everything. I've never really gotten past that. And I said, that's okay. I'm still writing 1981. And it's just that's the year that's stuck in my brain when I write something down. And I have to mentally realize it's not 1981 anymore. Now, if we talk about the calendar, we're automatically talking about something that has bothered mankind, womankind, humanity for eons. Because our calendar is premised upon the idea that we want to locate the position of the earth in terms of the sun. And we want to be able to mark out, okay, right here in reference to the sun. And that may not seem that important to you, but if you were a farmer living off the land, it'd be extremely important. Because the earth is at a tilt, and so based upon where it is in its orbit around the sun is based upon when the seasons are going to be. Uh, I affectionately tell people in Houston we have two seasons. We have summer and January. And that's our, our seasons. Some places, I grew up uh, a good bit of time in Lubbock, Texas. Lubbock has four seasons. And you can see the seasons unfold and develop. The problem is, our years don't really map out well with our days. Because our days are based upon how long it takes to make a complete circle for the earth itself, right? And we think that's roughly 24 hours. It's not quite 24 hours. Sometimes it's a little bit longer. Sometimes it's a little bit slower. Because the earth has a little bit of wobble to it. But if you take those days that we use to measure time. And try to turn them into years. You get in trouble because you're mixing apples and oranges. While a day will be 24 hours, it does not take a perfect number of days to rotate around the sun. So you can't do a year based on a certain number of days. Now, some civilizations didn't give a rip as much about calendars. They needed to know when the, the time came to plant, and there's a convenient time for that, the equinox, which is uh, from a couple of Latin words, equa, equal, nox is night, 
And that's equinox is when the night is the same length of time as the day. When the night equals the day. And you've got that happening once in the spring where it's 12 hours of night and 12 hours of day. You've got that happening one time in the fall or the autumn. Hence we have the spring equinox and we have the autumnal equinox where night is equal to day. And for some civilizations, that's really all they needed to know, or that was the most important thing, because that marked the changing of the seasons. After the autumnal equinox, night gets longer, days get shorter. Less sunshine, less heat, less farming weather, more winter. The spring equinox, longer days are coming, greater growing season, greater heat for the earth, etc., or that part of the earth. So you've got civilizations like the ancient one in, in England that, that built Stonehenge, where they're able to look, and each year they can tell when those equinoxes are occurring based upon how the sun rises in reference to these stones they built. If you go back to ancient Rome, Rome had its own calendaring system. Some of it they brought over from the Greeks, but the Romans, Romans had their own. Now the Roman calendaring system was a bit loosey-goosey for many, many decades and centuries in fact. Because they, they wanted to have spring at the right time but they measured things by days and days don't compute into years very easily and so sometimes they just have to add a few days now that got to be kind of important because their elected officials were elected for certain number of years so you've got some fella in power and he decides, well, this is the year to add about 25 more days. And lo and behold, he's got 25 more days to be in power. And that didn't seem to be the best thing in the world. They had certain names for certain days of the month. For example, the first day of the month was called Calends. We get a word from that. Calendar. Our calendar registers the first days of each month. The calends. The Ides was the middle day of the month. Hence, Julius Caesar, beware the Ides of March. It's March 15th when Brutus assassinated him. So those names were there. But the calendar itself was rather loosey-goosey until Julius Caesar... And Julius Caesar had been to Egypt, and Egypt had a much better calendar than the Romans did. And he knew the Romans could do better. And so he looked at the calendar and he said, we can do better. And do better he did. He developed the Julian calendar, named after him. And the Julian calendar had certain months and he stretched out what had been 10 months of the Latin calendar, the Roman calendar, into 12. Names of the month, voila, here they, they come. So January is named after the 
Roman god Janus. He had one head but two faces. He looked forward and he looked backwards. Hence January, the start of the year, when you look forward but you also look backwards. And that's where the name comes from. February is the month of cleaning. They had a festival where they cleaned out Rome. That February is, was the February, February festival. It was a cleaning festival. They did their spring cleaning. March, named after the god Mars, the god of war. March was a month where typically they would head out into battle. They didn't like to fight in the cold winter time. They would go out in March and start their battle. April, May, June, scholars debate over where those names come from. They could be associated with certain gods who carry certain similar names, but they could also be associated with certain Latin words that also have that same concept. But the, the months after that were months of like Sextilus, Septembrus, uh, based on the Latin words for their number. Sextilus, six. Septembrus, seven. Octobrus, oct, eight. Noem, nine. Decem, ten. You say, well, wait a minute. Something's amiss. December's the 12th month, not the 10th month. That's because they kept those names even though Julius Caesar added a couple of months. And they inserted new names for those couple of months. Like July, which is named after Julius Caesar. Or his successor, Augustus Caesar, gets August. And they just bumped the other ones down the chain. So with that, we've got a calendar. And the calendar's decently good. They've got different number of days for the months to try to make it work out. The problem is they were still losing time. So you got to a point where Easter wasn't falling even remotely close to Easter. And the church says we got a problem. So in the 1500s, the church decides to change this. And under the reign of Pope Gregory Twelfth, there was a declaration that on October 4th, you would go to bed at night and you would wake up the next day. And instead of being October 4th, it would be October 15th. Ben Franklin would later remark, that that was the nicest thing for an old man to be able to go to bed at night and wake up 11 days later. But because Pope Gregory put this out, or it was put out under his reign and papal seal, there were a lot of Protestants that weren't going along with it. This was a Catholic conspiracy, after all. So they thought. And so for a number of countries, it took a number of decades before they ascribed to the Gregorian calendar that we have today. And the Gregorian calendar inserts a leap year every fourth year where February of 28 days gets 29 to try to make 
the yearly calendar correspond with our days of the earth rotating on its axis. Now that doesn't quite work out either. So that every fourth year isn't quite true under the Gregorian calendar because every 100 years it changes. But that's the calendar we've got today. Now why do I bring this up? Because that's our Western calendar, but it's not our only calendar. Tishri is the first month of the Jewish calendar. And so if you're in Israel, you've got a Jewish calendar as well as the Western calendar. And they keep time with both. A number of non-Western traditions have their own calendars. There's the Chinese New Year that marks the Chinese calendar. There are a vast host of different calendars now and historically even more. One of the calendars that's out there is the Western Church calendar. Now we're in a Baptist church. Baptist churches generally have like Zippo regard for that because that's not really what we're into so I thought I'd bring it in <laughs> the Western church calendar starts with Advent and Advent is the four Sundays before Christmas so today is the beginning of Advent tonight's the beginning of Hanukkah festival of lights both you light a candle for, for different reasons. But the festival that is Advent, or the season that is Advent, I should say, often is marked by Advent calendars where you've got those days and you get certain things. It comes from the Latin word Adventus. Um, Adventus, in Latin, the V was pronounced as a W. So that's Adventus. Uh, if you do a double V, that's a double U. That's what the W is. But the U, the V, Adventus there, is, is, is the, the Latin word for arrival. So the new year has arrived historically now for the Western church today. So happy Advent, happy new year, happy arrival. The season of Advent traditionally in the church has three focuses. Focus number one, the advent or arrival of the Christ child in Bethlehem. That's one arrival that is focused. A second focus point for Advent is the arrival of Christ in your life. Where you came to know him. Where you came or I came to, to be in relationship with him. And the third focus is the arrival that is assured in the future. When the Lord returns again to finish making things right. So if those are the three focuses of Advent, my hope is that throughout the rest of this year, we will focus on 
Advent together. So I get to teach today. Brent will be teaching next Sunday. And then I'll be teaching throughout the rest of the year, hopefully, uh, uh, and we'll finish it up. So that's Advent. Now with that background, are you ready? Okay. Lesson number one. God has plans. He got big plans and he's got individual plans. God has plans for you. You can fill in your name. And God has plans for you. The Bible never talks about God calling people just generally. Yeah, I want an army. Don't raise me an army. Y'all come on in. God always calls people individually. God seeks you as a person, not you as a group. Now, as a person, we make a group. He makes us his people. But he calls us with individual purpose. So here's your first Advent passage for today. It's from John 1, verses 6 through 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Now he was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. Now this man was sent from God. That word sent is apostello in the Greek. Apostello is a verb that means I'm sending out. There's a noun form of it. Somebody who was sent is an apostle. Uh, that, that word was used as a, a, a word not only for, the, of course, the 12 apostles that were selected by Christ, but that word is used even in the New Testament for messengers. If you send someone with a message, they are an apostle. Okay? So, um, it's, by the way, some people get real concerned that words in the New Testament can have such different meanings. Don't ever get concerned about that if you speak English, okay? Because if you speak English, I've even heard my kids talk about uh, someone who will hang up the phone. Well, you don't hang this up. That's a reference that's left over in our language from when we had phones on the wall that you would hang up. And that's the way you would disconnect. But we'll talk about hang up a phone or we'll talk about hang up a picture. Those mean two entirely different things even though they're the same word. And I won't even start about my hang ups. <laughs> but we use the same word with different meanings that are kind of related but, but carry a different connotation. That's no different in other languages. So someone sent an apostle can mean different things in different places even within the Bible but there was a man who was apostles from God who was sent from God his name was John now he came as a witness now if we were reading this in Greek we would see this three-letter word right here that's an I iota that's an N nu which is a, it looks, you say, no, that's a V. That's the way they wrote their N's. That's an N and that's an A, an alpha. 
this has got a reverse comma in front, like an open mouth that goes, <sighs> because it's the H sound. All right? So you would pronounce this Hina. And you'll see Hina, Hina, Hina. Hina was a way you would introduce a clause in Greek that had purpose. It says this is for the purpose of. This is in order to. This is the reason why. Here's the purpose. And so if you're reading it in the Greek, you're going to see very clearly something that you can pick up in the English, but it's driven by this Greek word. There was a man, he was sent from God. Why? For a reason. Let me give it to you in three different clauses. Here are reasons God sent him. God sent him um, uh, in order to bear witness about the light. Bear witness about the light. It's one of the reasons he was sent. God sent him that all might believe through him. That's the second Hena clause. God sent him to bear witness about the light. God sent him so that people would believe in him. And God sent him, even though he wasn't the light, to bear witness about the light. That's the reason. There was a reason God sent John. There is purpose in the plans of God. Now, I want to bring this home. Many of us live life like a hamster on a wheel. Is that a hamster or a rat? It's a gerbil. Shows you what I know. Many of us live life like a gerbil on a wheel. We just get up in the morning. We eat. We work. Or study. Or do chores. We eat, we talk, we visit, we watch high school football. By the way, Texas Tech has one of the best high school football teams there is. <laughs> Which would be great if they weren't a university. Um, we watch TV or sports or whatever. We try to handle the problems of the day. We try to relax. We try to go to sleep. We try to get a good night's sleep so we can start out all over again the same day on the wheel. On the wheel. And that's the way we live life. But if you're in Jesus, if you walk with the Lord, this is not you. You are not just existing on a wheel. If we learn anything from the three focuses of Advent, we learn that God has plans. We learn that God had a plan and it was expressed in John the Baptist who he called as a witness to bear witness about the light. But that means God has plans in our lives too. He's got a Hena purpose clause for you. To use the Greek expression. 
syntactical expression. He's got purpose for your life. He doesn't call you just to be a hamster on a wheel. He calls you to do something. Say, well, I've been thinking of running for president, but it hadn't really occurred to me before. I'm not saying he's called everybody to be president. I'm not saying he's called everybody to, to flash on the newspapers with what they've done or on the internet screen. I'm saying what he's called you to do may be no more than pray for someone in need today. But he's called you and you've got purpose. And so we should never live each day aimlessly as rats on a wheel. We need to live each day knowing that the God who arrived in Bethlehem has arrived in our life and has plans for the future. For us individually as well as a group. And that's your first lesson of Advent. Now, that doesn't mean you leave. We got more. Next lesson of Advent. God has his timing. This word Advent, arrival, God will arrive at the right time. God is going to arrive, but it will be at the right time. And what we need to do is rely upon God. I cannot tell you the importance of reliance without at this point in time thanking you for your prayers for my trial. I've basically been in Cleveland for the last 11 weeks. We finished. The jury returned a verdict. And uh, I thank you so, so much for your prayers, your concerns, for showing up on Sunday so I've got a reason to get back here and uh, beyond just my family who I could have hauled up there, I guess, but they wouldn't have loved that. Um, so let me tell you a trial story. Y'all got time for a trial story? Okay. One of the issues in this case was... Uh, the, the case involved the opioid problem and the opioid epidemic. And there are many, many reasons that we in America have a raging opioid epidemic. And those reasons, those causes are varied. They involve manufacturers who falsely marketed the, the drugs. They involve some doctors who were writing prescriptions wrongly. They involve addicts who were taking the drugs wrongly. They involve drug cartels who were importing substitute opiates, heroin and other things like that when the black market for the pills got to be too expensive. It's cheaper just to buy street heroin, which is another opioid. I, there are lots and lots. You know, the DEA wasn't paying the kind of attention the DEA should have paid. Lots of people at fault here. But our argument was that included some of these chain pharmacies that have a responsibility to, to you know, if someone comes in with, a, with three prescriptions from three different doctors for the exact same opioid drug for 120 days, you don't just fill all three of them and send them out with 360 days of drugs. 
from three different doctors. You've got to pay attention. If there's a red flag that's raised, you've got to address it before you just fill the prescription. Okay? So, so the, the, the defense, one of the defenses that I had to overcome, I say I, it's a team effort that we had to overcome, was uh, them wanting to blame everybody else. So in other words, don't blame me. What about the DEA that approved Or what about the FDA that approved this drug? Or what about the manufacturers that lied about whether or not it was addictive? Or what about dot, 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 fill in the blank. And so I thought, you know, a really good way to illustrate this to the jury might be to, right outside the courthouse, the Cuyahoga River dumps into Lake Erie. And there's the Main Street Bridge that goes across it. And you see it when you walk in and out of the courthouse every day. And it's a blue trestle bridge with the gray road on top of it. So I thought, well, we'll just rebuild that out of Legos. Because everybody's driving across that bridge. And everybody's trusting that the bridge was built up to code. And you could have this bridge and maybe just a few trestles are bad. But if a few of those trestles are bad, then we rely on that bridge when we go across it. You get some bad trestles in there, and they can cause the bridge to fall. And there may be a hundred trestles that are falling. But if we've got two or three that are bad in this courtroom, those two or three bad ones can affect it themselves. They're a part of the problem. And so I, I had the fellows bring in the bridge during closing argument and set it down and I took and as I'm explaining I took some of the Legos just right there on the side there right here and I pinched them and the entire bridge crumbled because every trestle is important every step every stage it's important how we rely on things and you and I need to be able to rely on things and I'm here to tell you, we can and should rely upon God. He will not crumble. Here's your passage. In the days of Herod, king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah. And he had a wife, and her name was Elizabeth. They were both righteous before God. They were walking blamelessly in all the commandments and statutes of the Lord. But they had no child because Elizabeth was barren. And they were both advanced in years. Now, there is a, a temptation in all of us to be self-sufficient. I would love, I mean, maybe it's just me, but wouldn't it be cool to be self-sufficient? Would it not be nice to have all of the money you need so that you didn't have to rely on anybody in a job? Wouldn't it be nice to have all the food you want so you didn't have to rely upon any food chain or anything else? You'd grow all your own stuff. Wouldn't it be nice if you had unlimited energy for your house and your cars? If solar panels really were so great that they could take care of every energy need you had. Wouldn't it be cool if you could just become so self-sufficient? See, but 
The thing is, that's not you. We're not self-sufficient. On our own, we are barren. And we may have a job and we may be working and we may be doing all of these things. But we will not be the productive people we need to be in this life if we are trying to do it all by ourselves. And if Advent means anything, it means God arrives in Bethlehem because we needed him to. Without God intervening in our history, we don't have a future. You can work as hard as you want to be as good as you can be and you will never be good enough to earn your place in God's kingdom. You and I all have sin that must be forgiven. Somehow the just God has to justify the unjust people. Think about that for a moment. If I'm a just judge, how can I let the guilty go off scotch-free and still be a just judge? You would say, well, you're not a very just judge. And I might have to say, well, you're right. So how does God, who is a just judge, let the guilty go off free? And still be just. Answer. He himself substitutes in to pay the penalty. So justice is met. But you and I cannot be self-sufficient in the most important aspect of our eternity. We must rely upon Jesus who arrives in Bethlehem. And then arrives in our life. But if we do that. We can trust that in the future to come. We have the most important aspect of our life taken care of. We rightly rely on God. By the way that's not the Lego bridge. That's the actual bridge. <laughs> and. And we need to rely on him. It's the right thing. Okay? Next lesson. Amazing things happen when people pray. So many of you praying for me. I got daily notes from half a dozen of you praying for me during trial. And, and, and those are just the notes that came in. I'm sure there were tons beyond those notes. Amazing things happen when people pray. Look at the continuation of this story. This is still the story of Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth. Now, while he was serving, while Zechariah was serving as priest before God, when his division was on duty, there are thousands of priests, and they've got all of these different chores, and it was the turn for his division. They were up. According to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by lot. <laughs> 
to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. That's one of the jobs. And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. Incense was a, an image, a demonstrative, we would say in court. Um, a PowerPoint slide. It was a visual representation of the prayers of God's people rising to God. The fragrant, pleasing prayers of God's people going up. So, there, it was the people are praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to Zechariah an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Now this is kind of crazy if you think about it. You start out here, he is serving as a priest before God. He's doing his job. He's gone to work as he did every day. Every day he did his jobs. He goes to work day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. And if it wasn't him doing it, it was someone else doing it. They all had this job. It had been going on for centuries. And it's just the way it does. Just a normal, routine day with people while he's serving, people praying. And what he's doing, he was chosen by lot. They just kind of roll the dice. But what other people might call luck was not luck. The hand of God was there. See, you and I, we're not a roll of the dice. You're not here by chance. You're not listening to this by chance. God is at work even in an ordinary day where you're doing run-of-the-mill things. God has something far beyond you and I at work here. And so we see this. And he enters the temple this is what he was chosen by Lot to do, to enter the temple. Now, the temple at the time had incense that was offered every morning, every evening, day in, day out, week after week, while months, years, decades, and centuries roll by. It was service. It was a normal occurrence. I dare say the humdrum of temple life. But hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before, the prophet Isaiah had declared the word of the Lord. And in Isaiah chapter 40, We read some of this. In Isaiah chapter 40, we read Come.
Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended, her iniquity is pardoned, she's received from the Lord's hands double for all her sins. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley will be lifted up. Every mountain and hill will be brought down. The uneven ground will become level. The rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord will be revealed. And all flesh will see it together. Kipi Adonai de bear, For the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. That prophecy had been hanging for hundreds and hundreds of years when Zechariah shows up, chosen by Lot to burn incense while people are praying and an angel of the Lord appears to him and says in essence that prophecy's coming due. It's about to be fulfilled and you're going to play a role in it. You and your barren wife are going to have a kid who's going to be the fulfillment of Isaiah 40, verse 2. He's going to bear witness about the light. There's a purpose for him. It's coming. See, what was arriving in Bethlehem was something that was most amazing. But it happens in the midst of a people praying while a priest is serving. A man's doing his job, which means his wife was at home doing her job, while the people are praying and something amazing is about to focus and happen. And I got to tell you, it'll happen to you and me both. You do the normal things in your life. You come in here on a Sunday morning. You serve God in your life and you accompany that with prayer. And you've got other people praying for you. And amazing things happen. That's the way of the Lord. Amazing things happen when people pray and serve. Now before we finish, I want to urge you with something else. I want one more lesson here. I want to urge you to move from fear to faith. And this kind of ties this up together. But the story continues. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw the angel. And fear fell upon him. But the angel said... May Phobu, don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you'll call his name John. Don't be afraid. Don't fear. What's going on in your life? Don't be afraid. Say, well, I don't have an angel telling me that. Well, I am no angel. I will readily confess. But I've read about them. 
And I'm here to tell you this lesson applies to you and me both. Now, my wife has accused me of being an angel. She said, I'm always up in the air harping about something. <laughs> it's just an old joke. Couldn't pass it up. I'm sorry. But you're hearing from Scripture. Don't be afraid. Mephobu in Greek. Don't fear. Because your prayer has been heard. Say, well, I hadn't prayed. Okay, fear, but pray. And then don't fear. Your prayer has been heard. God is at work here. You don't need to be afraid. You can rely upon God. Say, well, yeah, but, but what if God lets me down? Do you know what word is inserted here? All right, well, two words in the Greek. This just means sort of because. So that's because uh, it's been heard, your prayer. Uh, but don't fear because your prayer's been heard. Do you know what's inserted there? The name, Zechariah. Zechariah. Zechariah comes from two Hebrew words. Zachar is the Hebrew verb that means to take action because of what you remember. And Yah is the Hebrew abbreviation for the name of God. Yahweh. Zechariah means God remembers. So you don't need to be afraid. I don't need to be afraid. Zechariah didn't need to be afraid. Our prayers have been heard by the God who remembers. I don't know about you, but my memory is terrible for some things. For some things, it's like really good. But for some things, it's horrible. I was in this trial. And a defense uh, uh, team, army, legion... Um, there were three defendants, originally four. One settled out in the middle of trial, so that left three. And, I mean, they had, they had armies, okay? I mean, they were armies and with really good soldiers. And one of them was a fella named Eric Delinsky. Really good lawyer, really good guy. And Eric Delinsky had asked some question or made some comment or something that I needed to reference when I was cross-examining one of the witnesses. So I'm up at a podium. The jury's over here. The armies of, of darkness are over there. <laughs> My team is over here. And the judge is up at the front and the witness is over there. And I said to the witness, did you hear when Mr. And I couldn't think of Eric Delinsky's name. I just couldn't think of it. It's gone. And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm just like, when Mr. Judge says, uh, is it Mr. Delinsky? And I said, yes, Your Honor. I said, I'd do better with his nickname. I'm so sorry. And uh, he, the judge, and he goes, uh, what, what's his nickname? I said, well, I just call him D-Dog. <laughs> and uh, jury laughed, judge laughed, 
D-Dog, later on, I, uh, he, he took one of my Torah books and he had asked me to sign it to D-Dog. So, uh, uh, my bud. Um, but, but my memory, I, I could do D-Dog, but I couldn't do Delinsky at that moment. Okay, that's a human memory. People say, well, he has photographic memory. Well, he sometimes doesn't have film in the camera. <laughs> but God's memory is beyond photographic. God's memory is beyond photographic. He hears our prayer. He will take action on our prayer. Remember, this is a cumulative lesson. It's his timing for his arrival. But we don't need to live in fear. We need to move from fear to faith. And during this Advent season, when we look at the arrival in Bethlehem of the Messiah, Messiah, the anointed one, the prophet, the priest, the king, we need to know that that's the result of promises and prayers that go all the way back to the time of Adam. God said, out of woman will come one who will set things right. And God further delineated that prophecy and said, Abraham, it's from you, from your offspring, all the nations of the world will be blessed. And he continued to chart it. And he charts it all the way up through King David. And you can follow it in the lineage of Jesus, but you can also follow it within the confines of Scripture. God has made the promise. And it's in great detail. And we've got it today. But that God who remembered the prayers of Zechariah is the God who will remember your prayers. Because every time you look at Bethlehem, you need to remember your life. Because God will arrive for you. God will arrive for me. God will arrive for those we're praying for. Brent's sister passed away on Tuesday. He said, but, but people prayed that God would heal her. He did on Tuesday. It's his way, it's his timing, but it's to his glory and ultimately for our good. So, when you look at the calendar and you realize that it's Advent, then you need to find that verse that comes at the very end of this passage, which is to Zechariah, you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth. You will have joy and gladness. That should infuse our advent with meaning say well holidays are a struggle for me okay understandable move from fear to faith through prayer well I'm going to be all alone these holidays well invite someone else who's all alone to join you or invite several people who are all alone to join you or invite yourself to join someone else or when you set your table, set your table with an empty chair knowing that God is with you. 
joy and gladness should infuse this season because the Lord who arrived in Bethlehem that arrives in our life promises never to betray us, to leave us, to forsake us, but will come again. And that gives us the joy and the love and the peace that is the season. So, Advent, day one, Sunday one, you light your first Advent candle. Hanukkah, season of lights, a season celebrating that God doesn't leave his people. Jesus celebrated Hanukkah. A season that, it's a festival that came into being. If you're looking for it in, in the law, you're not going to find it in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, the heavens, you won't find it anywhere in the Old Testament. Because it, bless you, came into being between the two testaments. But it's a festival that says God's not going to leave his people. He'll supply the oil. He'll supply the light. God will do what God's going to do. So here's your light for today. Number one, please live with purpose. Live knowing that there's reason for your life. Don't feel abandoned and meaningless. Live with purpose. Know that every good thing and every bad thing that has happened to you has made you who you are today and who you are today is someone God can use uniquely. Serve and pray. Do what you need to be doing but accompany it with prayer knowing that we have a reason to have faith over fear because we have a God who will hear prayer and does not forget. Got it? Let me bless you. It's time for church, and uh, we'll go to church. Lord, I do pray your blessings on all who hear this message. I ask you to reach into their hearts, to draw them to you, clean out their ears, open their eyes, melt the, 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 anything that, that might block them, soften their hearts, to seek you, and to live with purpose and faith, serving you prayerfully all the days of the, the life you've given us on this earth. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.